The psalmist said in the long ago, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And then there is a second priority. The first has to do with our discipline. The second revolves around our deportment. That is, how we conduct ourselves in the world in which we live. So look now at verse 12. Paul would say, Let no one despise your youth, writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. And then he says, But be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, or in your manner of life. Now let me just pause there very quickly. You know, we talk about the spoken word, a verbal sermon. There is something that can be just as powerful, if not more powerful from time to time, than a verbal sermon. It is called a visible sermon. Paul here is saying, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to show the world what it means to be a child of God. All right, Timothy, how are you going to do that? Number one, you're going to do it in how you carry yourself day in and day out, your conduct. You remember when Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3? Peter was writing to a lot of Christians that were suffering in the first century. In, verse, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, in that context, he's talking about a believing woman living with an unbelieving mate. And Peter said, here's how you win that unbelieving husband to Christ. You demonstrate the Word before him day in and day out. He said that if any obey not the Word, they may without the Word be won by the conversation of their wives. That is, by how they live. What he's saying is, whether you like it or not, you're on display 24-7, aren't you? You know, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they like to throw stone, stones at people who are Christians, don't they? I mean, we live in a world today, we live in a, in really in a nation that has become somewhat hostile to Christianity. And they're looking for hypocrisy. They're looking for someone to not measure up so they can say, I told you. I don't think hypocrisy, I don't think that that's a valid crutch. But there are a lot of people that use that. And Paul here is saying, listen, as a child of God, you've got to understand wherever you go, whatever you do, people are watching you daily. That means what comes out of your mouth says a lot about who, who you belong to. And let me tell you what, you drive long enough in this city and it will put you to the test. When I got on 78 tonight, there was, a, there was somebody in front of me and I thought, do you not know what an accelerator is? And so, you know, the tendency is to want to say something or, you know, maybe pull up beside them and give them the evil eye. But we're not supposed to do that, are we? But, you know, sometimes, sometimes folks can, 
They can push all the buttons. The point is, though, we've got to monitor our speech, don't we? And how we carry ourselves. Think about your example at the grocery or in a department store or where you work on the job, whether it's in a warehouse, whether you're working in some corporate office building, whether you're working in a school, wherever you are, people are watching you, are they not? Paul's saying, look, you are an example. And you're supposed to be an example to the world to let people know what it means to be a child of God. So Paul said, I want you to be an example in word and conversation and in love. Agape love is the highest form of love. In the Greek language, there are different words used to describe love. There is brotherly love. There is this agape love. And there are other terms that are used as well. But are we not to demonstrate genuine love to one another? Didn't Jesus say, by this all men shall know that you're my disciples? How so, Lord? You have love one for another. And so we show the world what it means to be a child of God by loving one another. And let me tell you what, there are some folks, even in the body of Christ, that are not necessarily lovable people, are they? There are some folks that are, well, I would say somewhat prickly. And you got to handle them with care, don't you? So Paul said, I want you to be an example in what you say and how you carry yourself, in love, and then in spirit. This has to do with our attitude. You know, we might know Scripture, and we might know something about what New Testament Christianity is all about. But sadly, sometimes, Scripture has not resonated, and they have an awful spirit, a rotten spirit. Our attitude says something. And you know, I think about in the world. If we have a hateful, caustic, pessimistic, negative attitude, what's that say to people? Look, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future, don't you? I do know that the psalmist said many years ago, the Lord reigns, the Lord is still in control. He is, as John said, He is still the ruler over the kings of the earth. God is still on His throne. He is still in control. And then what about faith? How do we react in good times and bad times? We don't really know what our faith is made of until tough times come. That's when our our faith is tested or proven. That's why James would say in James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Listen to him. For when he has been tried, your faith will be tried if it has not already. And the question is, how will you bear up? 
So we're to be an example in faith, in love, in spirit, and also in purity. Interestingly, Paul, in writing to Timothy, down in chapter 5, verse 22, would say, to keep yourself pure. The world that we live in is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And we are rubbing shoulders daily with the impure, the unrighteous, the ungodly. And so to maintain a sense of purity in this world, I mean, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, I want you to pay attention. I want you to take heed as a disciple of Christ. Secondly, though, listen again to what Paul said in verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Paul's now saying, all right, Timothy, I want you to take heed, pay attention to the doctrine of Christ. Now, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they'll tell you, they don't have a valid reason for saying this, but here's what they'll say. We don't need to worry about doctrine. It's not really that important. Interestingly, though, when Paul wrote to Timothy back in chapter 1, verse 3, do you know what he said? Paul said, I want you to charge some that they teach, listen to him, no other doctrine. Doctrine is simply teaching. And what we're talking about here is the doctrine of Christ. Paul is saying, I want you to take heed, I want you to pay careful attention to the doctrine of Christ. Now, let me just cite for you a couple of things. Back up and look at chapter 4, verse 1. Paul said, the Spirit speaks expressly or expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. And listen to what he said. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. What do you mean, Paul? Paul here is talking about an impending apostasy that would occur and that did occur. The earmarks of that apostasy are set forth in verse 3. He said they will forbid to marry and they will command men and women to abstain from meats which have been given by God, created to be received with thanksgiving by them that believe and know the truth. Now I want to ask you a question. Are there people that you know of religiously today that impose celibacy on certain individuals? That is a doctrine of the devil. Look, if somebody wants to remain unmarried, if somebody chooses not to be married, that is their choice. They have that right. You can go to heaven and never marry. But no one has the right to impose that upon another person and say, that is doctrine. That is false doctrine. And so what Paul is saying is, we need to understand doctrine is vitally important, isn't it? There are a lot of things that 
are passed off in the religious world today as doctrine, but they don't meet the litmus test of divine truth. Drop down and listen again to what Paul says. Note if you would verse 6. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Note Paul said to Timothy, you have carefully followed this good doctrine. And then drop down, look at verse 13. Paul said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and then to doctrine. Whoever got the idea, doctrine is not important. You know, there are people today that say, well, all that really matters is our relationship to Jesus. What people fail to understand is there is a correlation between our relationship to the Savior and to the Scriptures. Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 8, verse 31, Then are you my disciples indeed, if what? If you abide in my word. In verse 32 he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Doctrine is vitally important. And so we've got to make sure that we follow the doctrine of Christ. Now, listen to John in 2 John 9. John said, Whosoever goeth onward and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. Don't tell me doctrine's not important. John said that those who are not following the doctrine of Christ, they are no longer in fellowship with the Lord. He said, but those who continue in the doctrine of Christ, they have fellowship with both the Father and the Son. He said, if anyone comes to you and brings not this teaching, this doctrine, receive him not into your house. And he'd been talking about the deity of Christ. He talked about his humanity and his deity. The fact that Jesus Christ inhabited human flesh here upon planet earth. So as we think about what Paul is saying, Paul's saying, look, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take heed. I want you to pay careful attention. Number one, as a disciple of Christ. Number two, I want you to pay attention. I want you to be very diligent, very careful in your exercise of doctrine. There's a third thing, and that is, he says to Timothy, I want you to take heed to your dedication to Christ. Listen now to what he says in verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, he said, you will save both yourself and them that hear you. Paul here is saying in one word, Christianity is about steadfastness. In running the Christian life or race, in living the Christian life, in running the Christian race, we've got to be steadfast, we've got to continue on, don't we? That's what Paul's saying here. Number one, 
with regard to our Christian steadfastness, our dedication to the cause of Christ. Paul is saying we need to understand we are involved in what he calls the good fight. There are a lot of folks in the church that underestimate the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. Back in chapter 1, verse 18, Paul would say to Timothy, I want you to wage a good warfare. Some of you have been in the military. Some of you here tonight, I can think of one individual who's a member of this church who served in Vietnam. I don't know if you know anything about Vietnam. Some of you may have served. But I can tell you this, if you were shipped off to Vietnam, you better be ready. You are in a fight. And you're not only fighting the enemy, but you are fighting the lay of the land as well. You talk about a tough place. And you think about being shipped off to a foreign land. And you're involved in hand-to-hand combat. And you are carrying a weapon to protect yourself. You better be ready. Because you are at war. I remember when, I remember years ago my dad telling me that he talked to a young man that had Well, he was in the military. I think he was in the army. And he was rising through the ranks. And he told my dad, he said, I want to go to Vietnam because that is the quickest way to get promoted. My dad said to him, you do not want to go to Vietnam. He lasted one week in Vietnam. And they shipped his body home. So you think about the warfare that we're involved in as a child of God. John said, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Jesus said, when he came into the world, men love darkness rather than light. Paul would say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life eternal. To Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in about verse 3. Paul said, I want you... I want you to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Individuals who go in the military and who are shipped off to fight in the various battles. I knew a man who has been deceased for many years. He fought on Iwo Jima. You think about the bravery and the courage of some of our soldiers in days gone by. They were involved in a fight for their very life and for the preservation of the freedom that we enjoy today. So we're involved in a good fight, but we also have a glorious future, don't we? Paul said, I want you to take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, and I want you to continue in them. He said, for in so doing, you'll save both yourself and them that hear you. All he's saying is faithfulness. 
Pays great dividends, doesn't it? Deliverance, salvation. I referenced a moment ago, 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life eternal. When it is all said and done and life comes to a crashing end, what is the most important thing? How much you got in the bank? The size of your home? Your automobile? The clothes that are in your closet? The jewelry that you wear? I mean, what is most important? Let me tell you what's most important. It's your relationship to God. And it is your hope beyond this life. If you gain the world but you lose your soul, let me tell you what, you are a loser. You lose it all. Didn't Jesus say, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is saying, if you lose your soul but gain the world, you made a terrible transaction in life. Ever bought something and regretted it? Man, I bought some things before and I thought, why in the world did I buy that? Well, you know, if you get to the end of this life and you don't have eternal life, you have nothing. Zilch. You have nothing. And so, what Paul is telling Timothy, Paul saying, Timothy, you need to pay attention to what really matters in this life. Look, the devil wants to get you off track. The devil wants to get you in a place where you become comfortable in the world. Paul's saying, you got to keep your guard up. You've got to stay alert and to stay faithful. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, as always, we invite those who are present to come to Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, to willingly repent of all sin, as Peter said on Pentecost Day in Acts 2, verse 38. To confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then to be buried with Him in baptism, so that you might rise to walk in newness of life, so that all your sins can be washed away, and God can put you in the church, and it's in the church, you're numbered among the saved, the redeemed. Acts 2, verse 47, Ephesians 5, 23. If you're here tonight and you have been sidetracked and you're not where you ought to be, look, we're here to help. And we would gladly pray with you and for you. We would gladly do what we can to help you be what you ought to be so that one day you will be where you need to be. And that's heaven. Won't you come as we stand and sing?